This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ah, yes, it is time once again for the Cactus League Report. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreyer here. It is the final Cactus League Report of this Cactus League season. We're in sunny Peoria ahead of... What is going to be a very fun matchup, Shannon. You not very often get to see a couple of sides go at it, but the reigning Young Awards on both sides will go at it in this spring training game tonight between Ray and Burns. So that will be fun as we are really winding things down. Just a, a couple of games left in this Cactus League season. You know, and it's funny, Gary. It's only an 18-game Cactus League season this year, and it feels like we're in that final week Doesn't right it? Now. I thought the same thing. <laughs> I was like, it, it feels like 30 again, even though it's been just 18. It's funny how that works. Yeah, it's like, okay, we don't need any more. And you talk to the players, and it's kind of funny. They really don't think they need much more. And the hitters will all say, oh, it's for the starting pitchers. But, man, we've talked about this before. It's unbelievable the shape the starting pitchers showed in showed up in. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when Scott, was, Scott Service was asked about that the other day, he said, you know, he wouldn't have minded uh, – in a normal spring, he would not have minded a couple more games. But it is funny how everyone seems ready to go. I mean, it doesn't give you much margin for error with starting pitching. Like, right. if you have any sort of hiccup, you're kind of knocked out for the, the first week or two of the season. So there's that. But, yeah, everyone seems ready to go. Yeah, I think if you're healthy, and you, you and I think it helps, and the Mariners are in really a good position here, mm. with the exception of one piece of notable news today. But, you know, they were returning veterans and players that have been on the team before, mm. both in the starting rotation with the addition of Robbie Ray, who knows how to get ready, and the bullpen. So there's not, you know, getting to know each other. There's not getting to know a routine. They've all been communicating with each other during the lockout. They had a plan. The players, you know, knew what to do to get ready. And I, you know, to this, I'm still shocked that they came in and, and starters were able to go 45, 50 yeah. pitches in their first outing. So I, I think. You know, I, I kind of find it hard to believe that everybody else is in the same boat around the league, and it'll be really interesting to see what we see on the other side as far as how far can the starting pitchers go, you know, how sharp are mm -hmm. the relievers. We'll see what happens. For sure. This is going to be a fun show. You had a chance to catch up with Jared Kelnick. That's going to come up at the end of the show. That's going to be a really fun conversation. Daniel Kramer's going to join us from MLB.com. No doubt you follow his work. Uh, Skyler Shibiyama will be here as well. Very interesting guy who we've never talked to on the air. He's got a very interesting backstory. And when we get into what he does, I find this kind of thing fascinating. A lot of uh, bullpen lineup, you know, the stuff behind the scenes that we never get to see. You know, when we were doing the hot stove report without you guys, uh -huh. Audi and I had the segment. Gary's going to make you smarter, and I'm going to or going to make us smarter. We we're, we fell into that category too. Mm. Go ahead and tell you a very popular segment, but this is one of the people that makes Gary Hill smarter. Yeah, I would imagine. No doubt, no doubt. He's really fun to talk to, and I'm glad we're finally bringing him on the air. And Shannon, you kind of alluded to it. It is 
you know, we're getting to that point of the spring where a lot of news starts to hit, and there's some big news today about uh, the fifth starter for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, it's been a, I don't know, I don't even want to call it a battle because you know both contestants Agreed. are going to be a part of this this year, and that's just such good news for the Mariners that, you know, the depth that they have right now is one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. And, uh, you know, Matt Brash makes the team. George Kirby is going to continue to get ready. They can be careful with him and how they bring him along. Innings are going to be a little bit of an issue there. But, uh, you know, to watch those two go out every five, six days down here to get to see the guys that we've been reading about, maybe seeing a little bit of video on but nothing else, to get to talk to them and just kind of find out where they are in their progression and their readiness, It's it's been eye-opening to actually see it in front of us. Yeah, I think Pete Woodworth called it a friendly competition and yeah because it's not like both of them know they're going to be on the team together at some point and they're going to be a big part of this thing moving forward it's not like one of the guys is getting cut to never be heard from again so it's it's a very different sort of competition it is and i think in some ways i mean there's always going to be pressure because it is the big leagues you are around big leaguers but it was remarkable how composed both of them were the first time out this spring and even though Brash was up last year, that was the first time he had pitched in a spring training game. So uh, just very interesting to see how quickly they have gotten to where they are right now. Matt actually talked about that himself today. You know, he goes from being the player to be named later to making the rotation. He said, this, you know, these last two years have been an absolute whirlwind. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's no doubt that he has showed everything that you want to see before you put him out on a mound. And you could say the same about Kirby right now. If anything, it's just a half step behind. Okay, we talking to the skipper today, just maybe a little bit more experience. And again, that opportunity to be careful with him and yeah. to manage those innings a little bit more. And, you know, there's no doubt we will see him at some point, too. I like the fact that Scott Service promised that Brash will pitch this time around. I'll believe it when I see it. What a different, you know, it's just like, are they going to call him up in September? No, they're not. Oh, yes, they are calling him up. Call him up. Family comes out. He doesn't get into a game. They could not find the right opportunity. Uh, This time, yes, it looks better. He will get in. Uh, Rick Riz had a chance to catch up with Pete Woodworth to just talk about uh, the situation between Brash and Kirby and just how impressed he was overall with just how good Brash has been. It was probably the most fun I've had watching two guys compete for a job. Um, it kind of happens every year, but uh, for those two not, you know, not having any time really with those guys, this is the first time I, I you know, really put eyes on them, got to know them, and it was like the, the friendliest competition ever. Like the two of those guys are, are extremely close. Um, there's, there's not any like bad blood there. They just went to work, um, and every bullpen, every start, everything we tasked those guys with, they just kept accomplishing, and we started to see like their their true colors and their true character their true competitors and their stuff come out um, especially these last two starts uh, with the two of those what does it mean that it was such a tough decision for that number five spot in the rotation what does that tell you about the starting rotation how deep this ball club is right now in pitching yeah for sure um, it, it's a good spot to be in it just means that we we have a lot of depth and a lot of talent um, coming up through our system um, and, and someone that we didn't really talk about a whole lot was Levi Stout who um, he did exactly what Brash and, and Kirby did. Uh, it may, may not have been on the on the big stage. He was he threw a couple minor league games, but um, you know he's right in there with the mix of those guys. He's got four plus pitches and he throws a ton of strikes. Super poised, um, great competitor. So to know that there's there's a, a slew of guys just sitting and, and waiting and developing for that opportunity 
um, is is huge because, as you know, like you can't have enough starting pitching. Um, so to know that we got a bunch of horses sitting in the in the barn in the backyard, just just ready to roll, uh, is a really good spot to be in. Opening day, April seventh uh, in Minnesota. It's going to be a thrill for Matt Brash, and then he gets his first major league start in Chicago as the pitching coach with his club. Do you feel like a proud papa? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess. I don't I don't know Matt well enough. I wouldn't I wouldn't call him my son just yet. Um, They're kind of your kids, though. Of, of course, he's he's the, a newborn. Um, you know, so but it's it's it was really exciting just to watch him develop in camp um, and to see the smile on his face um, after every start, which he dominated in. Um, I'm excited to see it, you know, in Chicago and throughout the season. Um, and you know, by the end of the year, then maybe maybe he'll be uh, another one of my sons. <laughs> I think everyone's pretty excited to see him take the mound and see what that's going to look like. After the game yesterday, uh, he had some interesting thoughts, too, about uh, his spring so far. And, Shannon, you asked him a very interesting question as well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that my stuff plays at this level, um, especially today. Like, my slider was really good, getting a ton of swings and misses on it. The other game, my fastball and curveball are getting tons of swings and misses. So it's just nice to see my stuff plays. It brings out my confidence even more. So um, it's just been really fun, like, learning. Like, learning today, i got to make adjustments a little faster when my certain pitches aren't, like, on that day. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just soaking it all, uh, all in right now. How do you use that curveball when everything is going for you? We know you throw the slider, but yeah. you did point out some of those are curves. How, how? Well, yeah, last game, most of my strikeouts were on curveballs. It's kind of – usually I use the curve earlier in counts because it's a little bit slower and got more vertical. So a lot of guys will take it, especially, like, lefties starts way out of the zone. But, I mean, I like both pitches because some days they're not on. Like, my curveball wasn't on the day, my slider was, so I'll use the slider more. So I just like having both pitches because it, it kind of just depends on the day and the feel I have for it. What's the velo separator that ideally you'd like with that curveball with your other stuff? Yeah, I mean, curveball's usually like low 80s, like 80 to 83. Slider, usually like mid 80s, like 84, 86. I had some 87s yeah. uh, last game in this game. So, I mean, just different looks, different shapes. They kind of look the same to hitters, so it's just a different look to yeah, arms. Basically. The same. Arms, yeah, yeah, same with all the pitches. Well, hitters here have had trouble with both. Whether oh. you're talking about the slider or curve. Yes, but it was good. I mean, that's one of the things where, you, again, you read about the player and you don't know it. And so we're all assuming, because you hear all about mm-hmm. the slider, that that's what we are seeing. And he kind of says straight two outings before that, that no, that wasn't what he was throwing. So it's good to have him in front. And, uh, you know, he has the benefit of if one isn't working, he's got the other. Yeah, and you pointed out, I think, last night a lot of 2-0 counts. But he actually talked about after the game that it was good to have, he was happy to have one of those starts where he really kind of, had to battle through it. Yeah. Wasn't sure if we were going to him. No, we're not. not. Another one of my good questions. (laughs) Pause. Yeah, no, and and that's legitimate. You know, there are things like, and it was funny because when uh, George Kirby talked about it, he talked about, you know, he still needed to work on pitching out of the stretch because he doesn't pitch out of the stretch very often. Mm. So, you know, you do want to see those things and and to have a little bit of a struggle against what was the Rockies A lineup last night was great. And then to see that that struggle yielded exactly one run, uh, you, you feel better about that. And if we feel better about that, he feels better about that, I'm sure. No doubt. We're in the Cactus League Report, the final one of this Cactus League season. Skyler's going to be with us next as we continue with more right after this on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Welcome back to the Cactus League Report. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher. Skyler Shibiyama with us here. The 
Okay, let me get your job title right. The Director of Data Strategy, is that, do I have that right? That is correct, Gary. Okay. Thank you. That's a very interesting job title <laughs> we're going to dive into. But this is the first time we've had you on. So before we kind of get to what you do day to day, tell us the path. Uh, yeah, we know you're a local guy, but tell us mm-hmm. uh, tell us how you got here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started with the Mariners in 18 as an analytics intern and have done sort of a couple different roles since then. Um, have kind of always had sort of that statistical, you know, sabermetric type skill set in my back pocket, but in 19 was traveling with the team, helping with advanced scouting, continued to do that in some fashion since, and so now kind of help out with strategy in, in its various forms kind of with, with the team. So you grew up in Shoreline, right? Grew up in Shoreline. So correct. were you a Mariners fan growing up? Yes, I was. I was a huge Mariners fan my whole life. Who were your guys? I mean, my first guy was A-Rod, uh-huh. uh, and then that sort of shifted to, to Ichiro. And so, you know, that's obviously been really cool, getting to, <laughs> getting to see and, you know, meet and work with one of my childhood heroes. There's got to be stories here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of some of which I think are good for air, some of which not as much. But the, the first time that I really, you know, got to see Ichiro was... Uh, at least face-to-face, was in 19, of course, where he opened in Japan. Mm. Um, and right right after he came off the field, he came to the video room and kind of had this moment to himself. I was two feet away working the replay operation at the time, just absolutely was losing my mind. Um, you know, he was like, had this this moment. It was really cool just to, to watch that. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it's been really cool. And he also, like, his last at-bat was a close play at first, and I was there, you know, this was the first time I'd ever operated the replay system, and I was like, holy cow, am I going to have to challenge this hit? Like, am I going to be, like, a part of Ichiro's final hit, like, uh, in, in Major League Baseball? So, yeah, that was... I that bet was you were tempted to challenge no matter what. Uh, challenge, if, challenge. If, if, it was, if it was at all close, I was going to hit it, but it didn't quite get to that point. Can you imagine the reaction if you did challenge it? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they come back and he's, like, out in that stadium? It, it would have been up for grabs. I mean, they would have had to say safe. Right. You can't. You, you couldn't do it. <laughs> That's so great. Was was this something you had in your mind growing up as a, as a Mariner fan? Honestly, no. I mean, I, I've always been into math and into baseball and, you know, was always reading fan graphs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was ever a serious, like, plan, um, you know, even through college. It was more just I kept kind of doing baseball research on my own and keep paying attention, kept paying attention. And all of a sudden, you know, I kind of had a good s- skill set to, to maybe have a shot at it. So was it just a matter of seeing, hey, there's an internship? Were you actively looking for it? Yeah, I, I took a couple years off after college and... Uh, had a mutual connection in the front office who was David Hesslink. Um, mm-hmm. He played with one of my best friends in Everett. Uh, and so my buddy Ted said, hey, you might want to you know, meet this guy and connect with him. And so we met, we got coffee, and then later, like that week, an analyst left the Mariners uh, for the Red Sox, and so they had an, you know, an opening. And so that kind of just kick-started from there. It's amazing to look at the list of everything you have done already in the organization. I mean, you've done, you've bounced around quite a bit and done, you've put on a lot of hats already yeah um yeah it's been it's been fun i mean there's so many great people in our org and it's been just a pleasure to work with a lot of different uh you know people it's been awesome so what's a normal day like for you what what do you do in a day yeah i guess you know spring is obviously crazy but during during the season um i'm kind of locked in on strategy in a couple of ways one would be just prepping for that day's game so helping out with uh, you know, in our, our pregame bullpen meeting, talking about how we might want to use our pitchers that day, um, you know, look at some matchups, some strategic elements that way. 
and then also just kind of contributing and monitoring our overall advanced report. So in terms of all of the materials you might see a player or coach look at during a game, helping them get prepped for the series, mm-hmm. um, and just you know really helping uh, working with Sam Reinerton, uh, our advanced scouting coordinator, who does a great job, and just you know kind of making sure all of our all of our T's and I's are dotted and crossed, so to speak. So what does that look like? I mean, there, you're dealing with a lot of different people, a lot of information. How do you put it all together into something that's digestible? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really been like the most fun challenge for me, I would say, as a whole, is, uh, you know, we have so much good data. We have so much good research and undertaking that exact challenge. How do I find a way? How can we get this info into a way that's not a stack of papers that no one will, will ever read? But actually, maybe into just one or two or three key bullet points, or emojis, or you know, heat maps, or whatever it may be. Trying to be really creative with that. So that's that's always the challenge, um, and I, it's it's a fun one because you know it's really about meeting people where they are and trying to you know connect with them in that way. What's it like working with Scott Service along those lines? Oh, great, great, so good. I mean, I think probably my first year, I I hardly spoke up in you know sort of the meetings that I was allowed to be in. Um, and I think that's sort of a you know relationship that has developed over time as I've gained his trust and and you know he's gotten kind of familiar with how I think through things and um, it's it's been great. He's so open-minded, so collaborative, and the fact I think even that I can be a part of those discussions is is pretty distinct. I think even you know in the game today. I like the idea of turning data into emojis. I think that's. I think that's fine. Yeah, which, which emojis would those be <laughs> I, is the I, next I, question. I can't give away all of our secrets. <laughs> but, I don't want to do that. But, yeah, don't give away but, Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is true. In our reports, you will see different emojis. That's a real thing. That's so good. <laughs> what do you like most about your job? Um, gosh, I mean, looking at the field right now, it's just being a part of it at all is so uh-huh. fun. But I, I think, you know, just, just the challenge of finding a way to contribute to in any way is just is just a blast i think there's a really good mix of sort of intellectual challenges that you can you know look at um and there's also sort of personal challenges in terms of you know how do i convince this person or how do i make clear you know what what i'm thinking about uh and just i don't know just getting to work with the amazing staff and players we have like these these guys are so so awesome so how do you watch a game no knowing all the prep all the information everything you put out and then the game's happening is it is it tough to watch? Do you, can you put a fan hat on? How do you watch it? Um, yeah, I think there's there's some bit of fan hat and some bit of I don't know some weirdo analyst hat on. Mm-hmm. Like we try to I guess with the bullpen in particular, like we try to talk through a lot of different you know contingency plans mm-hmm. and just following and you know wondering like is this something we covered? Is this not something we covered? And just trying to trying to you know see if we're on our plan A basically. Mm-hmm. What? How much? What, again, we're going back to the what does this look like? But there's always a lot of intrigue about why did Scott Service mm. go to this reliever in this situation? Yeah, yeah. What goes into that, and what what does he get before the game? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's a really collaborative discussion that he leads. You know, he's there, pitching coaches there. We've got strength and conditioning. We've got you know, our advanced scouting people. I'll, I'll sit on this call, and and it's really just trying to be holistic about it. Who is really, you know, physically prepared to throw today from a you know workload and fatigue standpoint? Where are the pockets in the order that a given pitcher might match up well against? Um, you know, trying to think through, yeah, just a bunch of different contingencies. Usually, we'll you know have a card that we run through and, and plan out. 
okay, in a typical game, we're probably going to go to this guy first in traffic, maybe in this pocket of the order. Um, you know, towards the end of the game, as you saw, you know, maybe we might not be using a traditional closer. It might mm -hmm. be more like so-and-so in this pocket, and if it, it's in the other pocket, we'll go with, you know, the other player, and, and that's kind of what we're, what we're looking for. So it's, a lot of it is about matchups and just trying to think through sort of the different things that might, you know, lead us to, to deviate off of those matchups. So how many people do you think are on that call? Um, it depends on the day, but I would say on average maybe like 10. Good grief. Yeah. That's more than I even imagined. I mean, I know, you know, how it is done, but 10 people going into a bullpen decision. Yeah. I mean... Because you start to With peel 10 back pieces of information right. that goes into mm -hmm. that decision. Because yeah. you, you start to peel back the layers, and there are so many variables totally, when it totally. comes to, especially when it comes yeah. to bullpen. As you you mentioned a few of them, but the, it gets pretty complex pretty quickly. Totally, totally right. And and you know whether you're managing for the game or for the series or for the seven game stretch where you feel like you need to win every single one in order to make the playoffs. Like it's you know there's a lot of a lot of different variables for sure because the bottom line is you're trying to put your personnel in the best place to succeed and the team to succeed totally. right i mean totally. that's that's the bottom line especially with a bullpen yes yes when i want to put our you know positions in the, our players in a position to succeed and also try to get you know our best players into the highest you know impact situations if we can it sounds like there'll be a lot of um i don't i guess good challenges with the bats that the mariners have they'll be able to use every single player that they have totally and, and the matchups and everything else but you know that that's more work too yeah totally <laughs> really really fun i mean i think it feels like our lineup is more crowded than it's been in a really long time and that's a, that's a fun like you said kind of a challenge it's, it's fun i've heard that you are quite the athlete yourself uh as, as Chris Flexen would say, I'm a hobbyist. So you're you're nationally ranked in spike ball. I was I I, at that one right? point. At one point, I was I was ranked in spike ball. That that career has had to wane a bit as as the as the baseball career has increased somewhat. If you don't know what spike ball is, Thank just you. <laughs> go, go to YouTube. It's uh, it's very strenuous looking. Highly, Looks like fun though. Highly recommend it. Couldn't plug it more. I love spike ball. Uh, I have heard that you're very competitive. Is that fair to say? I, that is fair to say. Uh huh. Uh, and you play all kinds of different sports, right? I, I heard something about underwater yoga mat. I heard something about that. <laughs> right, right. It seems like my my path. You're well rounded. My path athletically has been just find a more and more niche sport, and that way I can sort of still <laughs> stay. stay towards the top. You know, like the popular sports, it's too crowded up there. So if you find something that's really niche, you know, like I said, spike ball, bowling, pickleball, those are the ones that you know you want to get into. Have you ever gone foaling? Fulling. No, what's fulling? Fulling is awesome. Have you done no, that, Gary? I've no, I have no idea what this is. I cannot believe this is not taken off more. We did it in Detroit. It was in a warehouse out in an area where, but we got there. And uh, huge, uh, it's, uh, it's it's fun. There are beverages, there are bands, oh. and there are fulling lanes. Probably at least 40 of them. It's a bowling lane. Uh-huh. You throw footballs at the pins. No way. And what? You have I've never teams heard of on either side. So one team goes, the other team goes. Oh. Once the ball has hit the ground, it's live. So you can play defense once it bounces. Wow. But it's a blast. See? Wow. This is right wow. up your alley. We have a Detroit off day. We're, we got to go full. <laughs> yes. That's incredible. Uh, Skyler, this was so fun. This will not be our last conversation. This was so fun to get you know you a little bit. And thanks for coming on. We yeah, appreciate awesome. It. Thanks, you guys. This has been a blast. We'll continue with more. Daniel Kramer from MLB.com is going to join us coming up right after this as the Cactus League Report rolls on. Welcome back to the Cactus League Report, the final one of this spring season. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher. Daniel Kramer from MLB.com joins us now. Shannon, you'll like this. So, as we've talked about before, after every game I go out into the 
desert or a hill or whatever. So we were in Goodyear, and my favorite spot is just like a seven-minute drive. Australia, it's big and vast. Like you walk five minutes in, and you're just out there. You're all alone. And there was no one out after the game. <laughs> I'm just deserting around, and I was a few miles in. I hadn't seen anybody, and I got stuck behind like six horses. There were people on the horses, but... That's never a good spot to be in. Yeah, because it's like, I'm one that stays on the trails here because, you know... Snakes. I don't want to step on a snake. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing. So I'm just kind of, just kind of behind this trail, and then I see someone up ahead, off to the side, and they're waiting for the horses, too. And as they get closer, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> it's Daniel Kramer. What do you know? We just ran into each other randomly in the desert. It was great. It's great to have you here. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys having me on. And... Um, yeah, I think we had talked about it a little bit, too. You know, one of the beauties of uh, the Cactus League is all the sunshine, obviously, but, you know, all the trails you get to hit before and after. You know, night game, you get out there in the morning. Day game, you get there after work. So it's it's a beautiful place to be at this time of year for sure. You know what? It's great, but the other guys have a beach, so I'm not quite there. They have rain, too, though. That's they got true. a bunch of games. Yeah, they've got happen. alligators, too. Yeah. Snakes, alligators, beach, <laughs> desert. I don't know. Did you guys see what happened with the Astros game tonight? It was a no. monsoon in the dugout. Uh, Julia Morales, <laughs> their TV reporter, posted it on Instagram recently, but it looked like it was just a, a hurricane flooding through. See? So we don't have to deal with that. Yeah, either. you don't want that. <laughs> I mean, it, we usually get the. The one rain out in spring training where it rains, you know, it kind of dribbles down for like 20 minutes. Oh, that's it. That's the ball game. So It's our snow day. We look forward to yeah. it every year. Yeah. So what has uh, – oh, this has been a really interesting camp. Uh, what has, I guess, uh, top of mind for you? What, what has interested you the most as this camp has played out? I mean, how could it not be the kids? Yeah. You know, I – Pardon the cliche, I'm sure that's what everybody's saying, but they've just stood out. You know, they they came here with such high expectations, you know, lofty expectations, um, you know, all of them top 100 prospects, and they've come out and not just lived up to that billing, but, you know, maybe even exceeded it, too. I think what you saw what Matt Brash did last night, George Kirby, too, um, you know, really impressive. Uh, I think he gave up three hits and three combined starts in the Cactus League, his his pitches just really play up here, and, and the confidence with which he's going about his business, trusting his stuff, knowing his stuff, uh, it's it's been remarkable. It's been really impressive. And, you know, to hear that he solidified the number five spot today, not necessarily a shocker, but, you know, the fact that they laid out those expectations and, you know, they were true to their word that if he met them, he was going to get that opportunity. And it, it's uh, been fun to watch him to progress this spring for sure, especially Less than two years ago, he was a player to be named later in a, in a, tra- in a trade deadline deal for a reliever, you know. So to see how far he's come, uh, he, when we talked to him today, he basically said, I always knew I was going to get here. And um, it kind of underscores just how confident he is with, you know, where he's at. And for a 23-year-old, it's impressive to watch. You know, I'm glad you bring up that it is the kids because I think with everything compressed that we haven't hit it as hard as we would if it were a longer spring training. Mm. We're trying to get everything in. But, yeah, you know, we've been talking about young players for so long. And this year, yeah, we saw young players last year. But this year, as Daniel said, it's been a totally different level. Mm. It's you see them in spring training, and it's not a question if. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, they can't. You could bring them up right now. No guarantees on what you're going to say. You have to allow all of them you know, the opportunity to grow at the big league level. But it's it's different than what we have seen before when the young players have been with the big league club. 
And it's the wow moments, too, that have really stood out. Mm. When you t- talk about, obviously, what Brash did, what Kirby's done, but, you know, the inside the Parker the other night. Yeah. The minute the ball goes off the wall and you see it carrying momentum, you see him lumbering around the base paths, you you could kind of see the predictability becoming inevitable, you know? And it just gives glimpses to what they have alluded to over the past few years, and you're now seeing tangible results in Cactus League games late into the Cactus League season to where those results tend to have a little bit more credibility. So if you're a Mariners fan, it's it's an exciting time because you're hearing all, you've heard the past two or three years all about the, the pipeline and, you know, the promise that's on the way, and you're starting to see the fruits of that labor, uh, and could very well soon see it up in Seattle. So, Does anything surprise you down here? I mean, it's kind of a funny camp where there weren't many jobs to be had. You know, some competitions, we alluded to the number five, some bullpen. But has anything jumped out that you weren't expecting? Um, I mean, obviously the kids being as impressive as they are. Yeah. But uh, I think one standout hitter is Abraham Toro. He just mm. seems to be making contact with everything that they're throwing at him. And... Maybe it's not a total shocker because he came in here, you know, maybe with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, knowing that they've added all-star talent to fill the positions that you are most naturally fit at. And, you know, to see him kind of go out there and, you know, make consistent contact, have a good attitude about moving around the diamond. You know, we've seen him in the outfield, you know, once or twice. And we'll see how that plays out as the as the season goes on where they want to use him. But um, and he's a good hitter. When they acquired him at the deadline last year, everybody thought it was a, a sell trade, but the Mariners are adamant that it's a buy trade. And, you know, they see him as a big part of their future and, um, you know, specifically in a, a utility-type role for the immediate future. But they love the way he can hit, and he's definitely shown it this spring. What's been the most enjoyable interview that you've had? <sighs> I mean, Julio's, Julio's just a treasure, right? Like he's, <laughs> he, he's great. Um I think we, you and I, Shannon, were talking about this, but uh, anytime you get to sit down with Jared Kelnick and and he really is in a, a talking mood and, and opening up, whether it's um, you know about his baseball IQ and his acumen for how to digest the game and break down an at bat or break down what he's trying to do in the field, uh, it's it's a very advanced approach. So to kind of get glimpses of you know what's going through his mind and how he processes things, which is very fast and very advanced, um, he's always a really good chat, and he can break down some of the emotional side of the game too and his mental processes and um you know there are times when he can get vulnerable especially with you know how how much he struggled early last year so he's uh he's always a really good chat too um it's been a little bit interesting to to get to know robbie ray too he's a mm-hmm. little bit different um a little bit more quiet uh but he's you know cerebral and intense about how he goes about his business so um you know th- those are some of the names that kind of stood out I can imagine for you two that you're really enjoying this. You started this job at a very strange time, and it feels like you're heading into a normal season, which has to feel pretty great. Totally, totally. I mean, I feel like coming down here last year, um, I was excited to get that in-person access. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left after you know three and a half, four weeks and, and felt like i didn't really get what i was out to achieve which was establishing those personal relationships um establishing the rapport getting to know people um you know just because there were covid related restrictions everything was on zoom for the most part and so you know to to kind of go through a year of that um slowly have those restrictions eased and you know 
getting to know these guys a little bit more, especially here where we're going back into clubhouses. You're getting to know these guys, you know, what, without your notepad out, without your tape recorder out. And um, it, it's been really good for sure. Well, Daniel, it was really great to have you come over. Thanks. To, we'll do this again, obviously, but thanks for coming over. Really appreciate it. We'll see you in Minnesota. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. There it is. Daniel Kramer from MLB.com. We'll come back, and anyway, he set this up perfectly. We're going to hear from Jared Kelnick. Shannon Dreher had a chance to catch up with the Mariners outfield. We'll do that next, right after this. It is the Cactus Who Report. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher. You can catch a game during the first month of the season for as little as 10 bucks. Six Mariner value games in April, including the first weekend, April 16th and 17th. $10 view, $20 main, $30 terrace club seats. You can get your tickets in the game schedule at mariners.com slash value. Uh, as Daniel was talking about, Shannon, it is fun to hear from Jared Kelnick. I always enjoy your conversations with the Mariners outfielder, and I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it was uh, quite similar to the one last year this time. When you sit down and talk with Jared, he is an open book. He is happy to take all questions. Hmm. said, hey, if you ask me the question, I will give you the answer. <laughs> so uh, we cover a lot of ground here everywhere, uh, everything from uh, what he does in his downtime to his relationship with Mark McGuire. Jared, let's work backwards here. We talked about a week ago, and you said that uh, you made a discovery, or a teammate made a discovery, a little change that you made in your, your timing and yeah. uh, seeing the ball better. You still there? Yeah. Um, I got a bunch of at-bats and a couple minor league games back here uh, a few days back, probably like four days now. And um, I don't know, it just kind of clicked. And I've seen the ball so much better. And ever since I got those at-bats, you know, I've came out and I've done really well in the game. So just trying to stay with it and hopefully it keeps translating into the season. And that was Steven Souza who helped you out with that. Yeah. And that's just one of the things about this game. It can be anybody. A hundred percent. Yeah. And to, to have someone like him, um, who's such an amazing teammate, an amazing person to kind of just, you know, break it down for me a little bit and how small of an adjustment that it can be that can make such a huge difference. That was something that um, was pretty eye opening to me. Let's work a little bit more backwards now. I remember when you first came over, and Jerry Depoto said that you were an absolutely baseball-crazed kid. Yeah. Everything was baseball, baseball, baseball. Yeah. That makes me wonder, if you've had a full year of baseball like you did last year, do you put it away at all? Do you take some time for yourself? What did you do? When yeah, you know, ended? I mean, obviously I'm a big outdoorsman, so I spent a lot of time in the woods hunting with my family and, um, and then a lot of just spending quality time with my family outside of that um and but I was it lasted about I don't know about two weeks into the off season and then I was hungry to get back after it because there was there was things that I wanted to fix because like I demand better out of myself coming into the season and um like that's just kind of who I am I've always been about baseball my whole life's been about baseball and like even though I'm here it's healthy to get away from it for a little bit but you know, I felt like I took the necessary time off and then, you know, went right back to work. You've got a, a facility that you work out yeah. at. It, your, par your parents built. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Well, so it started off by my dad built a, uh, a baseball complex with 10 baseball diamonds. Um, it started like that. And that's where the team that I had played for, That that's where we spent all of our time. And then I... Right shortly after that, he had built another facility on the same property that was this full, like, indoor gym with turf, batting cages, the whole nine yards. 
and uh, so I spent a ton of my time there and I was getting up at like four o'clock in the morning before school so I could go in and work out so I had enough time to hit and do outfield stuff after school mm -hmm. just because like with homework and all that other stuff uh, I had to find time to make sure I was getting my workouts in as well as you know baseball stuff and then Shortly after that, it was probably about two years later, he built a another facility that's strictly baseball and it's a full like I would say it's it's a full infield indoors, like a, a big league diamond with a little bit of outfield, like a forty foot ceiling, so you can really see the ball flight with like fifteen cages or something. And then that's where I was hitting all the time. So and then I had a facility that I played for, or the team that I played for was Hitters in Racine. That's They had the same facility, uh, which was about like an hour from my house. So I would go down there every weekend, but throughout the week I'd be training at this facility. So is that going to keep you from moving to Florida or Arizona? Or oh, I mean, I, I don't know. Like the, the, the setup down here is definitely really nice. Um, I'll probably come down here eventually. Uh, it's just a matter of when. Hmm. You talked also about uh, you were an expert omelet maker. I'm wondering, have you added anything to the repertoire? Uh, like making stuff? Yes. Uh, I mean, I've I've tried to mess around with some like meats and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, just because, I mean, I'm a big meat, red meat guy. Uh, with me being an outdoorsman, I like we eat just about everything that we kill. So I definitely like different meats and like uh, smoking. Mm -hmm. like smoking meat is really good. I think Hanniger is a good barbecue. He's very good. Is he? Very good, yeah. Yeah, he's really into it. So is uh, Murph's good at it. Go figure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you keep in touch with Murph in the off season? Yeah, I, I keep in touch with, I kept in touch with a lot of the guys over this off season. We text back and forth if something came up or it was somebody's birthday or just to, you know, just to talk really. You worked with Mark McGuire this yeah. off season. Why? How did that happen? Well, so like I had recently changed agencies, and um, and my agent uh, represents his kids. And any time that they send video of somebody that's hitting, they send to him because it's Mark McGuire. He knows the swing just better than, but just about better than anybody. Mm -hmm. And so it had started where I was working with this guy Lenny in our. Um, in our hitting or in my agency who's our hitting guy and he was sending the video to mark and it was kind of just a three-way and finally mark's like listen send him my number and let me talk to him so then i started calling him and then our conversations turned into two three-hour conversations over the phone talking about hitting going over video yeah. and every time i was hitting i was taking video sending it to him making small adjustments and uh, i literally talked to him just about after every game he watches every at bat you're talking to him still every yeah yep yeah I, I talked to him yesterday that is fantastic have you met him in person yet no i haven't i haven't uh he lives not too far from the angel stadium so he's invited me over to um come over to his house uh whenever we're there so. that's fantastic the generosity in baseball i mean it really is a, a, a brotherhood it really is that's just amazing it's a small world were you intimidated at all not really because he's so like he is an unbelievable human being he's so he makes you feel so um, comfortable when he's talking to you and he's very educational and it just like converse he's one of those people where you're talking to him and then you're like oh my gosh we've been sitting here for two hours yeah um, and you know for him to pass his knowledge to me is something I can never thank him enough for 
what I'm sure there were questions you wanted to ask, not about you, but you're like, you're Mark McGuire, you right. get this many. What what was kind of the burning question that you wanted to get straight from him? I mean, just like the the, the one the one of many, but the, that one year that he had where he hit like 72 homers or something like that, like what really clicked for him? Mm -hmm. And that was something I had asked him, and he said that year was when he finally learned how to not swing as hard as he could and just let his natural ability and his strength um, take over mm -hmm. and allowed to free up his hands and all he was thinking about was nice and easy and before you know it, he looked up at the scoreboard and he had 70 homers on the year. And that's something you're thinking right now a little For bit. For sure. Yeah. Like, I put in so much work in the, in the gym and I've gotten extremely strong and I can't try to I can't try to force it. I got to just let everything all the work that I put into the weight room, the strength that I have, let let, you know, my ability take over and um when I'm when I'm miss hitting balls and they're going out to left field, then I'm doing something right, you know. How do you not force everything else? I know obviously we went, we went through it right. with you last year, right. you know. <laughs> right. I mean, I've learned to become aware of when certain when I when I feel like I'm trying to do more. Mm -hmm. um, and examples of that are, um, for instance, uh, the game where I was, we were playing the uh, White Sox and uh, Cease was on the mound, I think, and throwing pretty hard, that was like 98 to 100, and that at bat I ended up striking out and I came back to the dugout and I'm like, holy cow, I definitely was trying to, he was throwing 98, I was trying to swing mm -hmm. at 198%. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I keep a notebook uh, with me in the dugout, and I write after that bat. I write kind of what my what my thought process was, what they were, I felt they were trying to do, and what I could have done differently. And I just came back to it was I was trying way too hard, and took a step back. And my whole goal that next step bat was, you know what? We're going to shorten up the load, and we're just going to let the hands work. Next step bat, double off the wall, and. That's just a, a small example. And another example would be, so there's times where I'm, I really like facing a velocity machine mm -hmm. because any flaws you have, you get exposed. And um, out there, there'll be times where like eight, 10 in a row, just banging balls. And then all of a sudden there'll be like a streak of like five where they're not good, roll over, jam, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? And I'll step out and realize that I'm trying to hit the ball because I hit 10 in a row. I'm trying to hit one better, better than that one, better than that <laughs> one. And it's, it's human nature. So you can't, yeah. you can't get mad at yourself. But then once I'm aware of that, I can step back and go, okay, now I'm going to try to hit this one softer. And then all of a sudden, boom, barrel, barrel. And then I just take off. So it's just, it's learning how to become aware of when you're trying to do too much and being honest with yourself and being patient with yourself at the same time, because like, I want to be the guy that, you know, comes up and has a great, a big hit. Like everybody wants that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but just being patient and breathing and understanding when you're trying to do too much. And that's kind of, that's kind of what, where I'm at. Is it a matter of just allowing yourself to, I hate to say the word fail, but it's such a huge part. Of yeah. The I mean, I, it's like, obviously I feel a lot last year and, um, I think the, the best part about last year though, is that the, the um, immense struggles that I had, I came out on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so I know that no matter what I go through moving forward, like I came out on the other side of hell, Yeah. what it was. So I know I can get through anything. And so I definitely don't think that, um, it, I, I know for a fact, it'll never get to be that, that 
immense again because if it does then that's on me because then I, I didn't apply anything that I learned from last year mm-hmm. and so I I've had numerous conversations like with even with my parents and um, you know one of the things that I talked about with my mom was she had asked me you know are you excited for this year I'm like yeah you know I'm really excited and I would make a joke like you know, if I hit 182 this year, that's a step in the right direction instead of 181, you know? I would just make the joke, you know, because I like to mess around and I don't, I try not to take it too seriously. And, um, and my mom looked at me, she didn't laugh, and she looked at me and she goes, you know, Jared, if this year happens like last year, that's on you. And I said, you know what, like, you're right because there's so many valuable lessons in that season that I needed to learn mm-hmm. because that's why it happened. Mm-hmm. And now I need to just go and apply it and go play and have fun. Mom's on the team, huh? <laughs> yep. Yep. And usually mom's always right. So I just, she's honest with me and that's what I appreciate the most. And she, she's 100% right that it is on me if, if that's what's going to happen. And I didn't, I didn't learn anything. Shannon, that was excellent. That was really insightful. That was, I thought we got a lot out of that. I, it was an absolute pleasure to yeah. sit down with him, and uh, you know, you'd heard little bits and pieces about what he had done. But as as you know, we as you heard in the previous segment, he's an open book. Ask mm-hmm. him the questions, he will answer them, and uh, I've got a good feeling about him. I do too. I yeah, I do too, and he, I really enjoy listening to him talk because he, he it is fun to hear as you mentioned the open book to hear the the insights i mean the inside what's he thinking and that sort of thing that we don't always get from everybody yeah and he can be tough on himself yeah you know you hear it from mom it's on you this time and he said you know what you're right so he's ready for it and uh i like the humor there too you know maybe i'll hit 187 (laughs) (laughs) that was a good line (laughs) oh that was really good. Thank you. Uh, this was a fun one. This was a. I think this was a, a very solid final cactus egg report. We are leaving on a good note, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? <laughs> and unlike what could happen next week in Minnesota with the media group, nobody got hurt. Well, we are having a basketball game next week in Minnesota. You, of course, are invited. We'll be there. Be the video- videographer. The social media uh, representative. <laughs> That's the one thing we were missing from last time. Oh, this will be well. No one was no one was documenting everything as it happened, well, which would have taken know. it to a next level. Now we know. Yeah. So we've got basketball here with you guys next week, and then in Detroit, bowling with Skyler. That sounds amazing. I'm in too. Absolutely. That's going to be time. so fun. It's a good time. All right. Good work, Shannon. Thank you. Mm-hmm.